Hello, this is Daryl Kane. Welcome again to the, the Reach and Thrive Together podcast. So excited to be back with you today and to discuss some important matters around higher education, uh, preparing students for future careers, and mathematics and STEM. So I've got a great guest with me today, Andrea Duhon, who's a NC State graduate and uh, was a very professional uh, professor that we're going to get into her background. So Andrea, welcome to the podcast. How are things going today? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and be, sh- be able to share some of my experiences with y'all. Great. Well, thank you so much. So yeah, just give us a quick overview of your background and what are you doing now? Sure. So I am a native of Bogota, Colombia. I was born there, moved to the United States when I was around nine. Um, mm. I am currently an assistant professor of mathematics at Marshall University. So I get to work with young people all the time. Uh, it's pretty fun. And I also work as a financial controller for a solar energy company called Inlight That Energy. Awesome. So you sound like you're a very busy person. So professor and, yeah. <laughs> and um, controller. Yeah, it keeps you busy. It's, it's interesting. So, you know, my by trade, I, I'm a mathematician and an educator. And so I do that full time. And a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to work with a startup who really just was trying to find someone who understood the numbers enough um, to look at all of their analytics and how they can progress their company. And I jumped on it just as kind of like a side thing and thought I was going to be on it for like one or two years and then let them kind of shift their own direction. And it ended up being something where I was learning myself, right? How can I apply my skills, my mathematics into accounting and then looking at the books, looking at different processors that can help the company grow. Um, It has grown exponentially, actually. This uh, solar energy company, um, it was actually ranked number, I think like number 10 from Florida State graduates for the alumni of the fastest growing company in the last year. And so it has gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, you guys need a CPA. <laughs> you need a real accountant here right. uh, because I, I, I know how to learn systems and create systems. But obviously when you get into a specific size, it's a full-time job that I yeah. for. But it's been really fun learning. Um, I actually, when I was in grad school, my first job in New York City was at an accounting firm and it was looking at numbers and analytics and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated, I, I love working with people. And so in that particular setting, it was you and numbers and just like the drainage of just a computer. Um, it was all males, uh, all white males to be exact. I was the only female and the only minority. And at that time, and this was 10 plus years ago, to be honest, I felt really small in the room. And I think part of that um, made me feel like I couldn't really handle it. And the experience wasn't as positive. And they were in that New York grind 17 hour work days that I was like, do y'all ever go home? And I didn't want to be the first one to go home. (laughs) I I wanted to be there too, but I had a little bit of a sour taste to accounting. And so then, you know, I went into my PhD program and no longer allowed me to to work there. And um, and years later, kind of circled back around some of the skills that I had gained over those six months, I was able to use to help this company that, you know, it was just, they were starting out and and they didn't have the funds at that time to really pay someone. And so I was like, Hey, I can do it for free. Like, let's just work with it. And then over time they just grow and, and it's been a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you don't find too many, um, you know, females in STEM, especially uh, Latina females. So let's talk about that a little bit. How did you get involved with uh, mathematics and, you know, eventually become a professor? That's, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So when I moved to the United States, 
you know, numbers were kind of the only thing I still understood. I didn't understand everything, but I knew that I could find some success in that. And I think that allowed me to just hold on to it and try to dive deeper. And I was about in fifth grade, I got the opportunity to take the SAT. And it was just like my school was an advanced school. They were taking it and I scored pretty well on the SAT. And so that opened up a door to go to this program called TIP, which is a talent identification program ran by Duke University. And I was able to get in, got a scholarship to go over the summer. And what this program does is it exposes you to college level courses um, for three weeks. And so you go to different campuses, Duke being the main um, home campus and you can take all kinds of classes. And so the class that I first took was cryptography. And, you know, I am an incoming seventh grader taking a class that teaches me how to make codes so that people don't know how to read my notes when I'm passing them in class. It was amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I really liked it. And I was like, wow, we never learned this stuff. Like in school, we don't get to kind of dive deeper because you have to learn all the basics, right? And so I decided to go back every summer. And every summer I went back for three weeks to different campuses. So Appalachian State, Kansas University, Duke University. Um, and I would just take classes that just kind of show me different aspects of math. And, and it's really interesting how you can still learn this higher level math at a very basic level, right? So in between, and, and it just really honed me in. And I became really intrigued by the mathematics and wanted to be challenged. And then when I went back to school, I, I was put in advanced classes and the, the teachers I had at that time, you know, they were just really great and they kind of pushed me forward. So I was able to take this. I mean, they were advanced for high school, but I call them like anything before calculus. I call really like ABCs of math, <laughs> like we're just learning, literally ABCs. And then so then I got exposed to other areas. Um, my senior year, I actually got to do an internship at Miami-Dade Community College teaching a, or co-teaching a business calculus class. And um, so that was really like kind of the first in front of people thing. And I just kind of kept digging and digging and digging um, into something. I, I always knew I wanted to relate it to people because I just love interacting with people and truthfully making an impact or attempting to do so. So I, I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. That was kind of like the path. And then because I liked numbers and I liked just the, you know, the disparity of numbers, the the notion that it's supposed to all be the same, but truthfully it's not, like just discovering how math really works um, intrigued me. And so I kept diving deeper. And then also, you know, you have this idea that, you know, if you speak another language, math is that universal language. So you have like a shoe in, but I soon found out that like, it's not as black and white as it seems, right? In fact, my research as an undergrad dealt with a lot of that, looking into how math is really learned and how ESL students, you know, are able to approach mathematics, like how confident are they in the math, how well do they actually do, and what the disparity is between like linguistics or word problems and the numerical aspect of math. So it all kind of just kept, you know, getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. I don't know, one day I fell in love and then I just couldn't let go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a great story. So uh, we actually have something in common. I've done some work with Duke Tip. Um, I don't, I don't think the program is exactly the same now, but um, I, I helped uh, kind of oversee some classes there a couple of summers ago. So that's that was pretty awesome. Great experience. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Cool. So I really love the, you know, kind of like the, how you really went after your passion, just really kind of uh, just kept digging and kept going to persevering. I'm sure it wasn't easy to kind of like 
keep learning all these new concepts and, you know, really kind of, uh, you know, just facing those challenges. Any, any tips to kind of help you stay motivated to? Um, I think finding people who are willing to, to kind of walk alongside you. So I came from a very humble background. And when my mom moved here, that shifted even more, right? Because just financially speaking, it was very different in Colombia than it was in the United States. And what that also meant is that she didn't understand the system. She didn't understand like the tools that I needed or the, you know, who I needed to reach out to. And so a lot of times parents weren't a part of the picture, right? They weren't really able to help me like propel to the levels that I wanted to, but there was always someone willing to help. Right. And so I really dug into those, those resources and saying like, I need help and being willing to say like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to navigate this space. What can you show me that will help me and, and enable me to kind of go to the next step and then the next step, because it can be really intimidating, right? One of the things that I didn't see growing up is people that look like me in the position that I wanted to be. And so when you don't have an actual picture of someone who reflects you or the person you see in the mirror, it's hard to see yourself in those shoes, right? So when I'm looking around and I don't see any Latina with a PhD, a PhD only seems like a dream. It seems like a really foreign concept that you're trying to achieve, but don't really have a clue like what it takes to get there. And, um, and so you kind of have to rely on the people who have had those experiences, maybe not exact, but that are willing to walk alongside you. And I've come across some great mentors, um, specifically speaking at NC State, my undergraduate mentor, and now I call her my life mentor because she's still around. She don't go anywhere. But, uh, Dr. Wander Hill, who I met before I started at a symposium, and she literally just believed in my potential so much that she was willing to put the time, the effort and the resources around me to make me believe in myself and then gather all the all the tools that I didn't have, because there was a lot of things I didn't know and a lot of things that I needed to learn um, along the way. So it, it made it hard, but she was willing to kind of go through those trenches with me. And I think that made it possible. Yeah. So having a great mentor and someone you really connected with that believed mm-hmm. in you made, made a huge difference, sounds like. So that's, yeah. that's definitely a, le- a lesson learned for all of us to kind of keep those relationships, whether they're peer or someone that's uh, a bit ahead of us, you know, and then Absolutely. find someone that wants to invest in you. But yeah. um, and it sounds like that you're, you know, I mean, we met at the a diversity online event at NC State. And so it sounds like that you're giving back to different uh, communities as well. So let's talk about how you're kind of uh, giving back and making a difference in other people's lives. So what do you want to share about that? Sure. So there's a little bit of um, giving back through colleges, right? Like just the institutions that I was part of throughout my career. And then I've done some foundation work on my own um, alongside with my husband. So at NC State, you know, I always thought about how did you get through? Like, how did you get through NC State? How did you get um, that phase of your life sort of done well, let's just say it that way. And, and the reality of that is that there was a lot of people who were able to put their dollars where their mouth was. I was on financial aid my first year. Um, I was an out-of-state student. So my tuition and board, it was $20,000 plus that I did not have. My mom dropped me off at the airport um, and said, pretty much good luck because we could only afford one plane ticket. And so my mom actually never went to NC State until my senior year Um, and and she drove when she went you know and like a I mean I call it 1909 it's probably a little (laughs) bit later than that but like you know hoping that she could get there with gas that's just the truth of what my life was like and so there was people who said like she has potential I'm willing to 
again, put the money where it is. And Dr. Hill was a critical part of that because she managed to talk to people that gave $1,000 here, $1,000 there. I didn't have one big scholarship because I was out of state. So a lot of the things I just didn't know how to navigate, but, but I did end up getting funded. And so when I think about giving back, I think about two things. I think about time and I think about monetary gifts, right? And how they can impact the people who are in the same shoes that are sometimes unwilling to stay there in those shoes because it's embarrassing. Like as an adult now, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 39 years old. I can say this and not feel shame. But when I was starting out as a 17 year old girl, I would, I was unwilling to say anything to anyone. Even if I was starving for the day, it was not going to be known because there's a shame that comes with that. That doesn't even, it's not even because of you. Right. So I think it's a responsibility. I have the responsibility to give back because I am where I am because someone was willing to give to me. And that was their time. That was their talent. That was their treasure, right? The, the, those kinds of things. And with the mentor that I had uh, in Dr. Hill, she really instilled that in me because she had a community of people who were constantly thinking about that. And then were uplifting me to say, hey, you can do this, right? And so as I move on and, and created some success for myself, I have to think about every child that looks at me, looks like me, or looks to be me that they have access to all of the things that I had access to. Um, our, our history and our parents and a lot of our communities, they don't take those risks. They don't take those chances to go away to college, to go beyond their limits because of financial um, restrictions, right? Because their parents are afraid for multiple reasons, whether it's immigration or just, you know, they're thinking about paying the rent. And so I think I always think about that. I think about, is there another Andrea Hernandez, you know, now Duhan, but at that time that I can help propel so that they can, you know, have a vehicle for their own dreams. And that's really the reason why. And so at NC State, I've become really involved in terms of, you know, being active on boards and making decisions that affect the students in terms of speaking to students on a constant basis and just having relationships getting them internships, giving them advice, resume, whatever it is that I can do in terms of my talent, and then financially being responsible for their future as well. So that means donating dollars um, that are going to make a difference and not like a now difference, but a sustainable difference. So that's part of the reason that we created the scholarship. It's we need an endowment that makes money for itself, that 25 years from now, 50 years from now is still continuing on so that the legacy does last forever and it doesn't end with a person because it's a community um, effort, really, that we're trying to do. Wow, that's awesome, yeah. So given of your time and of your talents, that that's really makes a difference. And uh, I mean, it sounds like that you're very passionate about that because you kind of walked those shoes yourself and you saw how, you know, $100 or $50 or $1,000, you know, made a difference in your own personal life. So, and I'm in development, so I usually go after the big dollars and, you know, sometimes someone wants to give us $500, I'm like, okay, you know, just fill this out online, but, uh, yeah you know, every dollar actually does make a difference. And that's, that's very true. So uh, I appreciate you doing that for NC State and also just for, you know, your Latin, uh, Latinx community. So well, don't want to take too much of your time. Just want to kind of see if there's anything new that you're going to be working on here in the near future and next six months or a year or so, anything you got planned to kind of work on as a new project? Um, yes. Uh, so there, in a conversation actually with a colleague, um, discussing mathematics, we were looking specifically at like, you know, how do students learn? And I have this concept that I've kind of dove into in all my career that 
the, be the best thing you can do as a mathematician is learn how to fail, right? Like, how do you fall in love with that part of the, of the process as well? And I made a comment about teaching students how to get unstuck when they're stuck, right? Like literally creating a classroom in which getting stuck is a part of the process so that a student can fail, can go through the process of failing and then learns how to overcome failure so that they build that endurance and then don't give up, right? Because failure is just part of life and everything really, but in mathematics, it comes very often. And out of that conversation, um, we are actually going to begin the process of writing an article um, that is to be published at a later date. And it was exciting to take it to MA and to start having these conversations about, okay, how important is it to create a culture at a college level um, for mathematicians that says like, it is okay for you to be wrong, right? That is part of the process. Like you learn how to get unstuck because you got stuck. If you always do exercises that you know how to solve and you're never really learning because you're never pushing past that threshold, right? It's sort of like the gym. It's like, if I do 10 pounds my entire life, there's a point in which I'm no longer gaining anything. I'm just doing something repetitively. But if I build endurance over time, the 50 pounds will feel like the 10 pounds. The 100 pounds will feel like the 10 pounds because I've built endurance over time and I've gotten to those places where I literally get stuck and cannot lift the weight. And because I cannot lift it, then I, the next time maybe I'm doing a little bit more and a little bit more. And so teaching students how to develop that in their careers, in our case, as mathematicians, will create more endurance to be able to, to gain more knowledge and be able to get themselves in problem solving, you know, longevity in, in, their, mm -hmm. in their entire race. So I'm excited about it. I didn't even think it was going to come anything out of it. It was literally a Zoom kind of interview that I was mm. doing with a particular colleague. Um, and all of a the sudden, they're like, I couldn't stop thinking about that. <laughs> I was like, hey, that's, I mean, it's kind of my philosophy. I tell my students all the time, but students feel like it has to be right or wrong. And really the beauty is in the process. The beauty is in all of those, those in-between places where you kind of are navigating things that you don't know, a whole lot of unknowns. And then eventually you get to that known like aha moment and then you appreciate it because it took a while to get there. Yeah. 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 It's definitely uncomfortable when you're in something you're like, man, I actually don't know how to fix this or I don't know the answer. And like, <laughs> you got to keep going. So yeah, that's definitely yeah. A, a challenging uh, perspective for all of us. So, but I just want to say thank you for all your work and so glad you joined me on the podcast. I definitely want to hear more about uh, your, your new project in the next six months or so and keep me informed of how that's going. So any final words for us and anything else you want to share? Um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always exciting um, to be about, you know, to just be able to reflect on life. Sometimes I think we don't take enough time to do that. And when we talk about it, you're like, wow, like things come full circle and, mm. and really God is just so great. And so I'm just so thankful to be here. And, and just for everyone else, I just encourage you just keep, keep pushing, keep pursuing. Um, there's always a helping hand everywhere. There are, there are so many people who are willing to help. And if we're willing to be vulnerable enough to ask for that help, then sky's the limit because yeah. the potential is there. So, well, cool. Well, thanks so much. And let's definitely stay in touch. Keep Absolutely. up the great work. <laughs> thank you.